What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And as always, I got to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to discuss today. First, we got to discuss how the Knicks are going to keep R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. Then we got to discuss the Knicks' interest in Christian Wood from the Detroit Pistons. Then we got to discuss uh, Ian Begley's The Putback and having Adrian Wojnarowski and how the Knicks should just focus on doing the proper rebuild. And then last but not least, John proposed that we should do a trade for Drew Holiday. So we have to go through this topic and see if this is even possible. And then, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? For et cetera today, you've had some uh, pretty strong opinions about the new city jerseys for the Knicks and all around the league. So we'll talk about those and then we'll rank our top three 90s champion jerseys, <laughs> not including the Knicks. That's what I like. All right. Some uh, fiery, you know, some fiery, uh, was it fashion talk for the Accenture portion? I can get with it. All right. You know what to do, right? So let's get it going. What's going on, everyone? Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, is my boy, my homie, John Malika. John, what's going on today? What's up, Alex? How you doing, man? It's a beautiful Sunday. I think probably the last nice day out of the year of 2020 in New York. Um, no Jets on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday. It was, I couldn't have asked for a better day. It's a beautiful fall day. It was a great day today. I was actually in New York for the weekend. Nice 70 degree weather, hung out with the family for a bit. You know, it was, it was really just a true perfect fall day. Like the foliage was beautiful. Everything, man. I was outside hanging out in a t-shirt, some sweatpants. Couldn't ask for a better day. And as you said, no Jets football, nothing to make it miserable, but they do play tomorrow. So be prepared. <laughs> Oh my god. But yeah, man, you know, we had a good weekend and as always what we do today, today is Sunday. Um what is today's date? Sunday what? Bro, it's the eighth. Thank Number you. Eighth. Wake up. Let's go. It's Nick time. That draft is right around the corner. We got ten days left until the draft. It's September uh, oh, it's November eighth. I'm just about to start saying the wrong things out here. Let me tell you guys. You all probably understand. It's COVID. Every day seems like the same. There's just, there's just weekends and days. I have no idea what's going on. All right. All I know is that this day is when we record Nick's podcast. So let's get into some Nick's topics. All right. But before we get into some Nick's topics, as always, we got to go through some league news. John, let me tell you what we got going on in the league right now. So Ty Lu, head coach of the LA Clippers, Chauncey Billups and Larry Drew are finalizing a deal to be his assistant coach. Pretty interesting, man. What do you think about that? It's really cool. Chauncey's been trying to get into the um, coaching staff for a while now, it seems like. And he was always talked about as the coach on the floor everywhere he went. And he was such an underrated part of that mellow trade. Um, so mad that we had to amnesty him. Um, well, we didn't amnesty him. We got rid of him, though, uh, in a trade. I feel like he was like the he was an actual good point guard that we had. But... You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just love that Chauncey team. So I love that Chauncey Pistons team. I love that Chauncey Knicks team. Uh, I love the Chauncey Nuggets team. 
So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And he's probably just wants to be the next Ty Lue. So what better than to be on Ty Lue's bench? What do you got on Larry Drew? I don't really have much on Larry Drew, to be honest with you, but I am happy that Chauncey is uh, getting his shot. I know he's been trying to become a, a coach in the league. This is a good opportunity for him to get his cho- coaching chops up there. You know, Mr. Big Shot himself, uh, I think it's been way too long. He's a smart point guard. Definitely was uh, an anchor for the Nuggets, for the Pistons especially. Even when he came with it for the Knicks, that, that short stint that he had, very important for us. I'm happy that he's getting a chance in the league. What do you got on Larry Drew? I don't really know much, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I just, I just, I just, uh, I'm interested in, I'm interested in Ty Lu going to all these, becoming the assistant in places and then always transferring to the head coach, like being the buddy buddy with the players. Okay. And then always like being that step up to head coach once, you know, they're just like, oh, we like the assistant coach so much better than the head coach. The head coach stinks. And then they lose at the end. Doesn't come through. You know what I mean? So they just kind of like moves out in that succession. And I'm just curious if like that's going to be like, you know, like that's what Chauncey Billups was like forming into. And like, you know, like Larry Drew, the, that's what they're like. You know, that's where their program. It's not necessarily going to be on Ty Lue, but maybe, maybe that is. And that's like five, six years from now. And that's cool. You know what I mean? Like take a position five, six years and then like move on, like get your successor in. You know, like he's uh, Tyloo's building a tree, so I think that's cool. Definitely, I, I like that he's building a tree as well, and I think with Chauncey as well, right? He's so well respected around the league, he will just attract other top players to come work with him or come to that team. You know, so I think he's also a good networking uh, cog for the Clippers as well to just attract other players. Moving on, we got uh, Bob Byer, who is joining Stan Van Gundy's staff in New Orleans. Okay. Don't really know who Bob Byer is. Just thought it, it's it's league news. Just got to throw it out there. Uh, we also have... And Gundy, if he's in the news, man. And we could even talk about his crossovers, too, if you want. Oh, man. Elite crossovers. Elite crossovers for a coach. Just magnificent handles. You'll love to see it. Um, but now let's get into the real big news. We got basketball back, baby. By the way, you're not going to talk about the fact that Bob Byer's from UAlbany, but it's all right. We'll move on. Ooh, I didn't know that. He's a he's a U All grad. Okay, let's get it. U A U No, baby. U A U No. That's what I like to hear. Um, but let's get to the big news. We got basketball back starting December twenty second. Seventy two games. Report uh, reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. I am freaking hyped, bro. That we got basketball back. It's coming so soon. We're gonna have Knicks basketball right around the corner. Uh, a little uh over a month away. Magnificent. And we also got the draft on November 18th coming up. It's a lot of things are moving, man. Ricey, I need you to clip that, right? Uh, November 8th, Alex is excited about the magnificent Knicks year coming up. All right. I just want you to clip that right now and play it back for him in February. See what we're, see, see where we're at. But at the moment, I am just as excited as you are. Um, it's crazy that we haven't played since March and we're, fu- and it's, we're, we're like dying of thirst for Knicks basketball. And on the other side of that, in the same league and I guess the same exact schedule, you know what I mean? Is like teams that played up until what feels like last week, like the Lakers and even like teams that eliminated late in the playoffs, like the Clippers, you know, or the Bucks. Like they, I still feel like they were playing like last month. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's crazy that they have to start up, uh, 
in the beginning of the December, but as we mentioned previously, it has more to do with them starting the 2021-2022 draft combine and season on time. So that's why they're kind of rushing it into December and not uh, pushing it towards January, which was in the news uh, for a couple days circulating. For sure, 100%. You know, you discussed it that, and you really brought it up in the last pod about the Knicks, the money. You got to follow the money where it goes, right? These guys were going to lose probably more money starting in January. Big implications. Um, so yeah, that's why we got starting December 22nd. And for, with regards to like LeBron, Jimmy Butler, we're probably going to see some load management. So they're going to have the time to relax and get accustomed to the new league year. We're not going to see them opening day. Maybe we'll see them one on opening day, but then there's going to be heavy load management for these guys until probably January. Maybe that's something's going to have to work out that way to get these guys ready because they're still sore. They just finished in September. It's not enough time. Usually they have more of an off season, right? Usually it ends in June. You don't start back up until October. It's a good amount of time that you usually have. And we have to just rush it this year because got to get back on track for the following year. Um, but yeah. pretty interesting because like the Warriors are going to be hyped to play. You know what I mean? They're going to be back at full strength, hyped to play. The Clippers are going to be out here with something to prove. Like the standings are going to be skewed too. You know what I mean? Like these teams are ready to go. They're healthy. And I just wonder uh, what coaches like Popovich are going to be thinking when they have to pay all those crazy fines for uh, load management, right? Like, what was he's going to be thinking like when we're sitting here this year and players are like not playing for like days and days and days on load management, no one's saying a word to them. He's like, you took like literally a quarter million dollars from me, dude. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Like, and I get the sentiment for Pop, but at the same time, it's just kind of like it's it's becoming that it's becoming part of the league at this point. So you know, you gotta bite the bullet for some part of the the history of it until it becomes an uh, a becomes accustomed to the league. But moving on with uh, the league news, right? Um, not only do we have the league coming back, but the league is also looking to have twenty five to fifty percent capacity at the beginning of the season based on locale regulations. Oh. I know, right? So maybe we, we we might be able to go to MSG sooner than we thought. I don't know, but it's based on how New York City is still handling it. Uh, we all know that they're not. there's no fans up in Buffalo, so I don't know how it's going to be for New York City. But if fans can go back, expect 25% to 50% capacity at MSG and just around the league in general. That is something interesting. I thought it would be probably later into the season, but this is really quick. I guess they got to see that, hey, they got to get some revenue churning for these uh, for these teams. There's there's no reason they shouldn't open at least the suites, okay? Like, at least open the suites and people, like the season ticket holders that are normal or, the, you know, or the, or the actual suite holders will have first bid and they'll go there and then, like, spread across the arena, use different exits, only like 10% or 15% people per exit. They can figure this out. Everyone has to wear a mask. Like, get me into MSG. That like, There's no Broadway. There's no movie theaters. There's like, there's not really any indoor entertainment in New York City. And when it's December 18th, and that's going to flood into January and February, like, we need somewhere to go inside. Like, let me go to MSG. 100%. I hear you, man. Like, you got to give the people something to go uh, watch some entertainment. And for us as Knicks fans, you know, Ricey, I know you're listening to this. All three of us are going, if we can, to MSG to go catch a Knicks game because 
We got to go watch our orange and blue, baby. Got to go watch them. We know they're about to get washed by this uh, division because apparently we got to play them probably each team eight times because I know they're trying to keep it to a small region to begin with. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But just know that the league is looking to have 25 to 50% of fans back. So that is catching you up on the league news. Uh, that, by the way, the 25 to 50% was reported by Shams Charnia of Stadium of the stadium and the athletic. So just so everyone knows where they can go find that. But now let's move on to the main topic, which is Nick news. So first thing we ought to talk about the Knicks. It's reported that the Knicks are reluctant to trade RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. I'm happy that this is what the Knicks are saying because we're trying to create a foundation for a team moving forward, which we haven't really had for a very long time. You know what I mean? No youth that we're saying, okay, we're going to try to build around this core. I'm happy that this is what's coming out. Let's see if they stay true to it. But it seems like this is the direction that it's going if this is what's being reported, right? So what do you think about that, John? Yeah, like that's fantastic. There is a god. Thibodeau knows what he's looking at. Um, but I think it me- I think it says more about who's actually on the block. Then who's not on the block? Like, we both know RJ Barrett's not going anywhere. We both know Mitchell Robinson's not going anywhere. And they're basically, like, they, they are maybe quelling the, um, rumors of a blockbuster trade. Sure. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what they're doing there. No problem. But they're also saying everyone else is available. In, the, in my opinion, like, that includes Frank. That includes DSJ. That includes Kevin Knox. You know what I mean? Those guys who we like. They're, they're on the block. And I think that's what that statement means to me more than anything. I can agree with you 100% on that. And in all honesty, as they should be, they're, we're not talking about untouchable assets. As much as I like Frank, as much as I like Dot, as much as I like Knox and even DSJ with how bad of a season he had this prior year, you know, we can like them all they want, but they haven't demonstrated enough to say that they're not movable assets or movable players, whatever term you want to use for them. And because of that, like the team should be open to trading them if they can get a good return or if they can package something up with any of those guys to get, you know, a more established veteran. Uh, you know, maybe they use some of their assets to get that disgruntled uh, franchise altering player. You know, that's what this, that's what this definitely means. Uh, I'm glad that you point, you said that, John. And I think fans, I know, I know Nick fans are always clamoring to, to like hold on to somebody because we haven't really held on to somebody for such a long time. Like the last person we thought we could hold on to was probably Amon Shumpert that we drafted and we traded him on. So I'm sorry for Nick's fans out there, but that's the converse of the statement is that these guys are open to be on the, are on the block. Not necessarily they're looking to move them, but they will be moved if there's a good deal out there. Yeah, so I, I agree with you on that. And I'm happy that we have RJ and Mitch as a foundation. Another piece of Nick news, uh, Mo Harkless, your boy from St. John's University. Looks like the Knicks are not going to resign him. <laughs> SJU, stand up. Uh, how do you feel, man? How do you feel not getting uh, Mo Harkless back on the team? I mean, Mo Harkless has been trying to get on the Knicks for so long, right? Like when he was like 
uh, I guess we can say in his prime, right? Like right before he took the that latest biggest deal with the Blazers, and he was like moving around for a little bit. Um, by the time he came to the Knicks, as usual, he was not himself, and we didn't have a core. So I don't really have much thought about Moharkus. I like I w- I was hoping he can be like a you know like a mini. Luol Dang, Tony Snell type of deal because I feel like that's all we can compare. That's all we can do right now is try to form the old Bulls, right? Because that's the last time that Tibbs was successful. So we find ourselves trying to like make this old Bulls team like, you know, 2021 edition, you know? Like I feel like that's what we're – we try to concoct when we're uh, talking about RJ Barrett you know, trying to fit in a role or Mitch Robinson fitting the Joaquim Noah role. You know what I mean? And we're looking for like that Carlos Boozer, you know what I mean? But like a better one. We don't want like a CB there. So what do you think about Mo? Any, uh, any real thoughts or any, I, I mean, I'm just not shocked by it. He didn't really play. Um, and it kind of transitions into our philosophy of like, we're getting younger. You know, there's no more, there's no time for people like Mo Harkless anymore. We don't need Wesley Matthews, you know, coming and going 0 for 97 from three. Like, we just don't need that. For sure. And I think with Mo Harkless, right, he was just, he was just part of the deal when we moved Mook. And that was someone that we just had to take back and in the deal. And I mean, he was okay with the Knicks. Nothing too stellar, right? He, during his time here, he averaged 2.7 rebounds. Uh, sorry, he averaged 3.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 6.8 points, and played 23.8 minutes a game. Like, these are all of his averages. And he didn't shoot well from three with us, even though he is actually a decent three-point shooter. Um, he just adds more to the layer of what we have at that role of small forward slash power forward, right? If we're trying to develop Knox, if we're trying to add more wing depth, it's just adding on to this more complex fit of for the Knicks on who we want to add and what type of players we need. Also, like we have Julius Randle who plays power forward. So we just add, no, I'm like, like I know, like we have Julius Randle who plays power forward. If oh. yeah, for now. And if we added Mo, he plays three. Who else are we trying to get on the team and trying to play and trying to fit in there? If you want to move RJ Barrett down to the three, you're then moving Mo to the bench. Kevin Knox is going to be on the bench most likely. It's just more complex with what you're trying to do with this team. So it's just better to cut bait with Mo. Maybe you can, if they do need him and he's still available, you can always sign him later. But as of right now, he's not part of this long-term future because (laughs) quite frankly, we're still trying to create this foundation and we just don't need players taking up spots. We saw it last year. We had it with all the one-year deal guys and it was just... A cluster, like, of just, <laughs> I don't even know what that roster was. It was just too many cogs that were just stopping the whole momentum of the team. So I, I, I get why Mo Harkless isn't coming back. But, you know, someone who we do, are looking to potentially fill that role without him coming back, although he plays more power forward and he could be a backup five on the second unit, is Christian Wood from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Christian Wood had a really hot, end of this uh, season with the, with uh, the Pistons after they traded Andre Drummond. We had Chip Murphy on here going through the advanced statistics and 
Christian Wood stats are just through the roof for that short period of time. Nothing that we should really buy into because with such a small sample size, it's hard to believe that someone can maintain that type of efficiency. It's just like through the roof. Like it's just unheard of. But I think he is an intriguing player the Knicks should go after if the price is right. You know, Jeremy Colm of the Knicks Film School uh, newsletter, he wrote a whole in-depth piece thinking that Christian Wood could cost something over 15 mil. And now right now, and right now it's being reported that it could be, he could be in the valuation of 9 million a year, which if that's the case, 9 million, we should definitely make a move. If it was 15. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm good to pass. It's his price for, uh, Van Fleet. He thinks you're, you think you're getting, uh, Fred for 15, don't you? You're like, oh yeah, Fred can come 15. This guy wants 20, like, if Christian Wood wants 15, Van Fleet wants 97. <laughs> he wants like the, he wants a super max that's not even allowed. My thing with Van, with Fred Van Vliet is that I'm cool with paying him, and you know I was actually having a discussion about this, and I'm fine with paying him 22 at this point. Like if we got to get a good player in here, 20 if that's if that's what it is to like start jumping this thing off. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But with Christian Wood, it's and like we have a larger sample size of Fred Van Vliet, and we see what he can do. Christian Wood, it was we just moved on to Andre Drummond. <laughs> Here's Christian Wood. Oh my God, Christian Wood is doing so well, and he was doing really well on uh, a trash team. Let's be real, you know, everyone can look good on a trash team if you're giving the ball a lot and giving the time to shine. So it's very hard for me to buy into Christian Wood being at the valuation of 15. But I, like I said. They're projecting him to be somewhere around $9 million. Now, he is a restrict, fr- restricted free agent with the Pistons. So we would actually have to bid uh, a larger contract than the Pistons that they're not willing to spend on him in order to get him. Would you try, Do you think you would make that type of move for Christian Wood? What are your feelings on Christian Wood right now? I like Christian Wood. I think if we can get a bargain for him, that would be fantastic. If uh, he's looking for like a one-year... You know, deal or like a two-year bargain deal for the Knicks to like showcase, get real minutes, get on a new squad that plays defense. I mean, he would be fantastic on our team. He plays power forward, comes off the bench. He was starting for a while. As you said, his advanced numbers were crazy, but his regular numbers were pretty good too. Like 13, you know, points, six boards. Not bad. Like not bad on an average. Um, we could definitely use that, especially because our big men just what I hate about the Knicks is not only do we not have a superstar, but we also don't have guys who contribute. And Christian Wood seems like a guy night in, night out that can actually just contribute. You know what I mean? Like, even R.J. Barrett, man, he is really good. But, like, some games he just doesn't contribute. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just, like, doesn't really show up. Goes, like, one for seven in the first quarter or whatever. Like, that happened a couple times. I know he's young, but, like, we, we need someone, like, consistent and a hard worker and shows that he can really do it. I'm just not convinced of his uh, future and that he can keep it up. Yeah. You're, you're talking about Christian Wood's ability to keep this type of like level play up, right? He's going to be able to keep doing this. So I don't want to pay him on past performance, I, I, but we are going to have to pay him on predicted future performance. And so I kind of want to quell that expectation when it comes to salary and years. You know what I mean? Like, if we grab him for two years, 20 million or 25 million total, sure. Like, let's just do it. No problem. But 
that's a nice contract to trade as well next year if we needed to get rid of the books. You know what I mean? Like, no problem. So I'll take that. But if we're going to start, like, if we're going to get into a bidding war with the Pistons, who are very interested in the, the reports are, you know, they really want to keep him. And they're probably going to be able to pay him more and keep him on the books and, you know, promise him things that we're not going to. Um, so we'll see. I think he's just going to go to the highest bidder, though, to be honest with you. I agree with that. I think he will go to the highest bidder, but I don't, you know, if we're looking at even prior to his season with Detroit, right? He was averaging 17 points, eight rebounds, um, close to one assist. And he was doing that within 24 minutes, uh, per game, which is pretty good. I mean, he was on that same team with Julius Randle when doing those type of things, which is funny enough. Uh, if he came back to the Knicks and still put up those type of numbers, but it shows that there it, there could be some sort of consistency based on those based on those two seasons uh, with the Pelicans and the Pistons. So I would project that he can maintain something around that range, which looks like solid backup numbers. You know what I mean? Those are solid backup numbers for a power forward off the bench. And, you know, he's shooting. He The one thing that's really impressive is his jump in three-point percentage because it went from uh, his time with the Pelicans, it was uh, at, what was it, 28%, and now it's at close to 40%, and he's shooting around the same. Uh, he's taking the same amount of attempts, which is close to two-and-a-half uh, three-pointers per game. So it's that's pretty impressive. I don't know if he can actually sustain all that, but I'm willing to – throw like 10 mil of a mil his way to go get him and see what happens. I'd be willing to do that. I don't know if that will happen, but I think the Pistons want to keep their boy though. I think they were going to be trying. I didn't think they were going to try. Their boy and so is Van Fleet, just while we're on the topic. Van Fleet's staying in Toronto. They're keeping their boy too. Yeah, I, I would lean towards that as well. But yeah, so with the Christian Wood news though, we have to talk about the other uh the other uh, news that with regards to, I guess, this construction of the team, right? And I want to know, I want to know if, did you read this uh, piece by Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic on Leon Rose? Have you checked that out yet? Yeah. Um, it's crazy that there's positive things coming out of the, I guess, coming out of thin air about the Knicks. You know what I mean? Usually if there's nothing going on on the Knicks side, like negative things, negative articles are going to come out. <laughs> you know, like they're doing this, they're doing that. MSG, Dolan, The Garden, Time Warner, <laughs> like anything, <laughs> you know, like Cablevision, like anything, like it's always comes back to the Knicks. So I am really glad that the Leon Rose running the show, um, he got some, He's, he, he sounds like a king in this article, right? He sounds like a, like he sounds like uh, the basketball guru who's gonna come and Jerry West this whole thing up for us. But hopefully not the Jerry West who traded the Knicks uh, pick for Morris. <laughs> I love how you have to bring that up. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the undisputed like. Undisputed top three GM in the league, but like he's probably like the best GM ever. Him and Ainge, you know what I mean, and Pat Riley. Like those are uh, that's it. So the fact that the Knicks were able to get one over on him is crazy to me. So um, I, I'm gonna harp on it until we draft someone terrible and he turns out to be horrible, and then it doesn't matter anymore. 
Jesus. Yeah, no, I guess we, because when you look at uh, Jerry West, he's kind of he is one of the dons of the NBA, as you just said, with him, Pat Riley. Right. He's up there. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there with those guys who who can just make moves in the league and convince these top athletes to come. Like he convinced Kevin Durant to go to the Warriors. Right. He was able to get Kawhi Leonard to go to the Clippers. He cho- like. It, it's, it's not like he's a, a nobody, right? Look, and you had uh, Pat Riley who convinced LeBron to go down to Miami. So these guys can just move players, right? And what we're getting out of this... What? Yeah, just crazy deals all over the place. Yeah, for sure. And now when you read this Leon Rose piece, right? And from... Uh, if you haven't read it by now, it's by Mike Borkanoff of The Athletic. Definitely worthwhile to get an understanding who the new president of basketball operation for the New York Knicks is in Rose. But to, to pretty much give you the summary is that Rose is a very humble person, very diligent worker, uh, just has somehow developed, like he's had this extensive love for basketball from high school, from playing high school basketball, playing in college, and just the way he was able to work his way, like, I guess, sideways almost to become uh, NBA agent and then work his way up with World Wide West by his hip to get to this status of just getting clients like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, even Devin Booker, uh, Joel Embiid. He's, he, he is a quiet, hardworking guy who worked his way all the way to the top based on his relationships and his networking and just his, his diligence at what he does and the fact that he keeps getting like the fact that he keeps getting referrals for saying he's very likable and he's very hardworking is what I like to hear. And we see how he did that with the front office, right? Look, we got Walt Perrin. We got the Zanin brothers. We got Alex Klein, who's an up and coming scout. We got Kenny Payne. We got Tom Thibodeau. We got Johnny Bryant. We got this crazy staff right now. And what I'm getting from that article is that it seems like the Knicks are truly invested in building this team the right way for once. And that is the greatest thing I could possibly hear. This is not going to be some like this, this, this hack, like this hack job of just like trying to piece everything together while trying to trade everything at the same time and then ending up with this one year success. And then we're moving on to nothing again for years. This is probably the the biggest like I, it was really a hype article for leon rose and honestly it, it was hype in the sense of just how patient this guy is and just how low-key he is the fact that he just loves to wear jeans and a sports jacket that is his go-to like attire just speaks volumes of like <laughs> how serious this man is about his job and how low-key he is he doesn't like he just stays out of the limelight too which is great yeah, and on top of that, all the players universally love him, especially the uh, the veterans and the superstars. So that's always great. But he just – he's exact – because obviously I don't know much about Leon Rose because he's not on the um, – I guess he's not in the limelight, you know, especially as an agent. But now he's going to be even though he's, you know, still behind the scenes. But we know about Tibbs. We see Tibbs. We have a record for Tibbs. We stare at Tibbs all the time. You know what I mean? Um we have interviews with him. And so when I was reading it, he was giving me Tibbs vibes. So that's why I was kind of hyped about this article, about this like great news about the Knicks. Like I feel like we have a final, finally have a structure where the GM 
is presenting something, and then the coach is reflecting that because he's they're genuinely the same. You know what I mean? They both love basketball, like you said. Like if I if if I clipped what you just said and took out the name Leon Rose and inserted Tibbs, it would have fit perfectly. Like we wouldn't have to change anything. So that's what I'm excited about. It's going to be the same. And we mentioned it before in a previous podcast where we're talking about your beloved Westchester Knicks. They want to make it like a, our minor league team, which obviously should have been the whole time. We were, me and you were questioning, like, it wasn't? <laughs> you know what I mean? But now they're going to, like, to me, it's obvious that they're going to get a head coach there who's exactly like Leon Rose and Tibbs. You know what I mean? The same mold. So I'm excited about that. And one last thing on why I keep bringing up the Jerry West trade and how it's crazy that we fleeced him. I mean, we wouldn't sitting, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about that that beloved twenty seventh pick, man. Like, all you know, we we sit here, you know, uh, week after week, like how excited we are to have two first round picks. You know what I mean? And for like Marcus, the next season ended in March. You know what I mean? Like he would have had like four more games with us, even if we kept him. <laughs> you know, so it's just like an ultimate steal for us. Like I, I just I can't get over it. Not only that we were able to do it um, with the old regime, but that we were able to do it uh, for Jer- for Mr. Jerry West, and that it didn't work out for West. Like he lost. So like you know, if he won, who cares? We'll give you whatever you want. Like it doesn't matter, dude. But you lost. So again, I have to hold on to it as long as possible because once we draft them. And then it turns out to be terrible because we ruined him for whatever reason. Or he starts doing better on another team. Then it's like, okay, it doesn't matter. You lost the trade. But for now, it's ours. For sure. I don't, and I'm honestly, I don't even have that type of fear because we saw, you know, you know, shout out to CP of Knicks Fan TV. He keeps, he keeps talking about it because he, he listened to the podcast that Walt Perrin was on, but Walt Perrin is very comfortable with 15 and later in the draft. So. And this is the guy who drafted six NBA All-Stars. So if he's comfortable around that range, I'm actually pretty confident with who we're going to choose at 27 because he already has some players in mind that he likes. And yeah, I'm actually not worried about our draft. I'm just, I'm really, there's, I'm like cautiously optimistic with what this team can actually do. And I like that you connected Thibodeau's mentality with Leon Rose where they're just diligent, networking, doing those type of things. Tibbs is clearly a little bit more abrasive than Leon Rose, just like personality wise. But there, you, you, you can see that there's a connection, like everyone's getting, that's the, it's the thing that you want to see in an organization connection from the top down that everyone's on the same page, that this is going to be work. This is going to be grinding that we're all serious about what we're doing. This is not uh, a Steve Mills, Scott Perry, where you have someone saying, Oh, we should trade Marcus Morris. No, we shouldn't. Uh, it's like, what's going on here? It's like, we should not get Terry Rozier. And it's like, no, we should probably trade for Terry Rozier and Malik Monk. It's like, what is going on? That's just not the same page. So I'm so happy that I'm so happy we moved on from this whole Malik Monk. We have to draft him. We're so crazy for not drafting him. And look where we are now, Alex. Look where we are. I know. Right. And, and, but, and, and just going back to the fact, the fact that we can now be on that same path, like we are seeing like the same, that chain of like understanding like, all right, we're all on the same page. It is, this is why I'm cautiously optimistic for this front office. And once again, if you have not checked out that piece, really check it out. I, it's, it's definitely worth the read, but John, this is it. We're now into the topic. We need to get into the trade 
for Drew Holiday. John, you mentioned this. We, according to Shams Charnia, when this news came out, it, he stated that the Pelicans are open to trading Drew Holiday. Now you, in the text, you said we should we should make a move for Drew Holiday, and I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, okay. I said we should we should look into it. We should pursue it because we haven't we have a problem. We don't have a point guard. We we and until you have a point guard, you can't say no to a real point guard. You know what I'm trying to say? So if one ever becomes available, like a real ball handler, like if James Harden's name is floated out there, yes. You, you want him. If Drew Holiday's name is floated out there, like, you think about it, you pursue it, you see what, you see how he fits into your books, you see what they're looking for in a trade, looking if you could deal somebody else with him, like Alonzo, grab that. You know what I mean? But obviously Drew Holiday has a big contract. We would be, they'd be looking for something that we don't have. And that's probably why they put out that RJ Mitch news. They were just like, don't even call us. Like, we just, we are rebuilding right now. So it doesn't make any sense for us to trade RJ or Mitch. Because, like, we're obviously not going to compete this year for a championship. We're just competing this year to be competitive. <laughs> like, that's the, that, that is the bar for the Knicks. So if we make the playoffs, that is a championship for us. Um, so I don't know. I, I, if, 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 if the Pelicans are crazy enough to take like a Knox, DSJ, Randall, you know what I mean? And like a random pick next year. Sure. Give me Drew Holiday all day long. Like, you know what I mean? No brainer for me. But if it's going to cost a real draft pick, you know what I mean? Like one of ours or, you know, one of those late Dallas picks. Like, I'd be reluctant, but hey, man, a real point guard. That's a, that's a real point guard on the team. And if we're drafting someone, he's going to teach him how to play basketball. Like, no one else on the team can do that. You know what I mean? Tips could do so much. Like, you need somebody on the court with you to pass the ball to, to dribble, to show you what's good, to hang out with after class. You know, with Tibbs, you'd be like, yo, what he just said was crazy. Don't worry. Like, this is what we really need to do. You know what I mean? Like, you need that guy. So... We need a veteran point guard in, in, on the Knicks, and right now we don't have one, and a veteran is not coming in the draft. So find me one, Alex. Find me one. Yeah, I mean, look. I, I know you're but find me, find me somebody else. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And for people who don't <laughs> people who don't know what John's referring to, go check out uh, Knicks Fan TV. CP was awesome enough to have me on there to talk about our five, you know, point guards that we want we both wrote, came up with our own list of point guards that we want to have on the Knicks. so go check that one out as well um anyway yeah i would take i would take drew holiday if for one of those prices that you mentioned if we're training like a knox a tsj and a randall to go get him hell yeah but I, what you added to that saying are the pelicans crazy enough to do that that's the question and they would not do that because they would definitely get better offers from other teams you know i actually took the time to look at some other offers. And this is the other, t- this is the other thing why the Knicks should not even be open to reaching out for Drew Holiday because we were, we would, we would have to compete with teams like the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, 76ers, and Nets to get, um, to get Drew Holiday. And I think the Bucks and the 76ers, maybe even the Nets, depending how the Nets want to do this, 
they can actually go get you a holiday for a really good price. Uh, or not necessarily a really good price, but they have the assets to go get Drew Holiday, right? So, like, the Pelicans... That's the thing. Philly can do anything. They can get any player from any team that they want at this point because of the Embiid-Simmons contract and futures. Like, they want anybody from Boston, they can get them. They want anybody from, literally, from Houston, no problem. You know what I mean? It's going to be Philly. So if Drew Holiday's on, on the block, like you mentioned, I agree with you. Philly should always be the number one thought for anyone. They have the assets that everyone wants, and they kind of don't want. And they got the new coach, so, he, you know, he's not tied to them. Like, they have the perfect out. For sure. And just even thinking of, um, like, trades. So I know they wouldn't trade, like, they wouldn't trade Joel Embiid or uh, Ben Simmons for... Uh, a Drew Holiday, but what they would want to do is get someone off the books, right? And what they would do is then sweeten that deal. So they would put a Al Horford or Tobias Harris on the block saying, look, you got to take this bad contract and we'll give you the 2021, 2023 pick and some second round picks or even another first round pick, depending on how, what they need. But it's probably worth just two first round picks unprotected because of that type of contract that they're getting and, uh, some second round picks to go with them. You know, they could make that type of trade to go get Drew Holiday. Uh, that, that's just like one aspect I was thinking for, for the 76ers. Is it something that they would take, the Pelicans would take? I don't know. But if they want some arsenals for draft picks in the future, if they're still building around Zion and whoever and Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, why not? Right? Yeah. I have a doomsday question for you. Oh God. What is it? Which bad contract of those do you think is going to end up on the Knicks? Cause I know the Knicks are going to end up with some bad contract to eat up. At some point within the next year and a half. And it seems like it's going to be somebody from Philly. Like that Al, or- that Al Horford or Tobias. <laughs> Alex is getting chills over there. Um, getting the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, like I don't I don't necessarily think that like, the Long Island boy, Tobias Harris, coming through on his ridiculous contract. Al Horford coming through as like a stretch five on a crazy contract for us, you know, and some sort of like weird three-way deal for us. I just see it happening, man. The Knicks love to have old veterans with bad contracts. That's like, that is, that, that should be our middle name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I actually could see Tobias Harris on the Knicks. I could see that he would be the contract that comes over and he's a, He's a hefty contract that I would not be thrilled to have, but it would be a contract that, uh, that, that would be, he'd definitely be coming over. And it's even a scary thought to think about Tobias Harris coming over here on that contract. But, you know, speaking about Tobias Harris, someone for Hoops Habit wrote uh, an interesting three-piece trade since we're bringing up this real quick, going off on a little tangent. Um, they said this is the three-team trade. So it would be the 76ers, the Knicks, and and the Thunder. So this is how the deal would work out. The Knicks would get Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, a 2020 first rounder via Philly. Philly would get Dennis Schroeder from the Thunder. And the Thunder would get Julius Randle, 2020 second first round pick from Philly via the lottery. But that would be the only protected pick. What do you think about that type of trade? So the Knicks get, once again to repeat, the Knicks get Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, and a 2020 first round pick from Philly. Again, it's going to depend on – that's not an off-season move. 
that is a trade deadline move. It's going to depend on our trajectory and our projection for how next offseason is going to look based on how we're looking right now. You know what I mean? Like, if we're just a terrible, same old Knicks, you know, by the trade deadline, sure. Give me Tobias Harris because nobody else is coming next year and give me another first-round pick. I just hope that's not our mentality. It just, that just feels like we're we're terrible. You know what I mean? To, to do that. But on the other hand, if I want to be optimistic, John, for a second, what if we just need that, you know, that Tobias Harris body, you know, 3 and D, like we know when he was good on Orlando. Um, or for those, you know, he has, he has like spurts where he's a beast. I just think the whole team stunk. So it's really hard to put it all on him this year. Uh, he has his moments. I like Tobias. You know what I mean? It's just his contract we don't like. So, I don't know. Uh, I, the, 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 the optimistic part is that we're, we're doing well. And to, to kind of make that push for the playoffs, we can add him in. And we can get a first-round pick. And nobody's coming next year anyway. You know what I mean? That would be really cool. I'd be so, I would be super down for that. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? And in that case, our rookies would be doing well too, which is like, we're I'm living on a different planet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, so the thing with Tobias Harris, right, the contract that he has wouldn't end until 2024. And he's averaging 35, around 35 million a year. So this year he'd be making 34. Next year he'll be making 35. Following year with 37. And the last year, 39. So it's a hefty contract to take on. It'd be four more years. You, as you said, though, this would be a trade deadline type of deal. And so at that point, we'd really have him for three and a half years. And I wouldn't mind having Tobias Harris. We'd have him during his prime. He'd be 31 once that contract ends. And if we're starting to build a competitive team, say if we did get, uh, you know, someone like a Fred Van Vliet or someone or, or, or some, or like a CP3 for two years. And we're trying to at least build some sort of culture with like competitive players. I wouldn't be upset with that. You need to start somewhere to like ingrain these young guys to teach them how to compete. So I wouldn't be totally upset with that. Um, it, it's not, it, it sounds horrific. I think the only thing I would want is probably another pick just because the contract is so, so dense. Maybe a couple second rounders with that or just one first rounder. Like if we can get another first rounder, that'd be ideal. But if not, I would take a couple second rounders from them because second round, you can trade as many second rounders as you want. As we all know, there's a stepping rule. So you can't trade consistent first rounders, but I, I, I would, I would, I would, I'm intrigued by this offer. And I like Matisse Thibel in that deal that was as well, just because he's a good defender. And I think that you can work on the jump shot. We've seen that around the league. We've seen so many players who had no jumpers when they came into the league, like Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, but they've developed a jump shot. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be sold off. I wouldn't be upset with Matisse Thibel. I actually think that would be a pretty nice sweetener because he's a first round pick as well with solid defense, especially on ball. I would definitely take that. And if you become a three and D. That's happening. Yeah, that, 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 that would be awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I I would love that deal. It just depends what we give up, of course, because uh, it's just never going to work out like that. Um, it, it just never works out like the trade machine. I trust Leon Rose. I think Leon Rose knows what he's doing. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see our draft picks, man. 
You know, we have a whole new regime. It re- the Knicks regime, it really does feel like the new Jets regime, where they get all these picks and like they're our la- the first picks kind of look okay. Like I'm hoping we're 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 kind of sitting in the same boat. We get a Makai Becton and a Denzel Mims. You know, one really good guy at eight, and you know, one guy who's like shaping up at 27. You know, I, re- I really am hoping for that. I am as well, and I'm I'm like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. I can't wait to see what we do in the draft. It's been way too long. We need to see how this team is moving because this will. I know it's right around the corner and we're going to, this is going to be the first move by Leon Rose, really. Like, I know we, we waived Alonzo Trier and we signed Theo Pinson because that's a movable contract. I'm really, really excited to see what happens in the draft because it will, it's going to be start, it's going to formulate of like who, what we all, what Leon Rose is thinking. And I just can't wait for that. But John, I think we covered a, a lot of Nick's ground today. So. Why don't we take a quick little break and then we can get on to the et cetera portion of this podcast. All right, everyone. And we're back from the break. So, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, guys? For et cetera today, we have a topic that's been eating Alex alive. The new city NBA jerseys have leaked on the Twitter and Alex is not happy. Alex, tell us, man. Share with us. Oh, my God. I really... This this uni is so... I don't even know how to feel about it. Uh, like, when I first saw it... Specifically the Knicks. This is the, specifically the Knicks jersey. This, the New City Edition jersey. It's, it's leaked. It's out there. If you haven't seen it, go to our Instagram page or Facebook page. It's there. Unfortunately, it's there, and I have to look at it. Um, it by itself, when I saw it, it was an eyesore i don't like the way that it's designed honestly like we all wanted a black knicks jersey we got it but unfortunately the logo itself with that circle saying the city new york knicks the city never sleeps i don't like that it it's continuous like that and then it looks like it's a a tie-dye of orange white and blue going like around in a circle it's just it's a lot it's a lot and a little going on at the same time it's like so simplistic but it's just not very it's not appealing to the eye and like i get where they're trying to go with it it's supposed to be like the city never sleeps it's in a circle it's like a continuous loop it gets bright dark that whole that whole (laughs) it's like okay this is cute and clever but i'm not really a fan of it john like they could have done so many things john what do you think of the jersey because i could tell you what they've done yeah i mean i i'll start off by saying i really liked last year's uh firefighter jersey Oh, uh, those are really cool. The firefighter Knicks jerseys. Uh, this year they kind of went with the same like circle theme, even though like the, they had like the FDNY symbol, uh, Knicks last time, but they kind of st- stuck with the circle theme ish. The Knicks can't do anything right on the first try, man. So they, the, the, the black jerseys, like, you know, we're getting there slowly, but surely. Uh, I do, I did see the same picture as you did circulating. On RJ Barrett, the Photoshop with the sleeve and the shorts didn't look too bad on the court. Um, I don't really mind jerseys that look good on the court that don't necessarily look good, you know, wearing outside when it comes to the current NBA. But say something nice about the New Jersey Nets slash Brooklyn Nets. That, that new court they unveiled from that old Nets symbol is crispy, man. 
Sadly, I have to agree with you on that. It is crispy. The blue and the red is really nice, but yet we can't do it. And and to be to be uh, to talk to you about that city edition jersey, that was three years ago with the firefighter. We had two years of the same with the city skyline on the side. That uh, all right with the short the shorts were sick. Yeah, I love short, yeah. Uh, the skyline though that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, the, I, I like and I like this. I like the city skyline. It was cute. It was like a throwback to the old like stripe. Knicks jerseys, these jerseys, like I'll tell you what you were saying with the 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 sleeve, the multicolored sleeve and the shorts with the old New York logo on it. If that's the, if that's the stuff, I'm getting the sh- I'm getting the shorts. Honestly, if that if those are the shorts with the New York logo, I am rocking those hardcore. Uh, and honestly, the whole getup, if that's truly it, it looks fire, man. That looks fire. The jersey by itself, though, I could not rock the jersey by itself. It just looks so plain. It's just. There's so many other teams, but to be fair, like the other, not many other teams have amazing jerseys come out in the league, um, especially the Nets. Awful. Uh, I do like the Grizzlies one, but well, which actually, you know, is a nice little segue because our cetera today is our top three favorite throwback jerseys from the '90s, not including the '99 Knicks. And I guess we'll throw with the 94 Knicks jerseys in there, too, because they're cool. But we already know how we all feel about those. All right. So let's take some bias out. And um, I'm going to give it up to Alex for the first pick. You're so kind. You're such a gentleman and a scholar, John. I appreciate it. Um, okay. <laughs> so for for my first pick, I am going to go with the Grizzlies, because how can you not go with the Oh, let's go. Vancouver Grizzly jersey. I love the blue. I love the oh the fierce bear coming out at you. That was a true that was a true jersey where you didn't even have to be a fan of the team. You just rocked that jersey. You're just like, okay, and if you got the snapback, especially the snap that's that's a snapback I do want. Is that Memphis Grizzly snapback just to chill, like you're not going anywhere, you're not trying to represent your team. It's just a ill it's just it's just so ill with the design. It, it, those '90s jerseys were so classic, and I, I like that they brought them back for this season. Actually, they're, they're fire. The turquoise with the it's just so it's just so good, man. I love the Grizzlies jersey. City, their new city jersey also replicates it. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, for sure. They're, they're keeping the same theme, so that that is a good one. Um, oh, man, that, that was those 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 are those are. Like seeing John Morant fly in those jerseys was so aesthetically pleasing. Um, for my number one pick, I'm gonna go with the pinstripe Orlando Magic, Shaq and Penny. That that's like one of my favorite teams. Like so, the jerseys. Kenny Anderson was my boy. Scott, like those are my guys. Growing up, I just loved them. Um, they were cool. <laughs> um, the jerseys, the light blue, the black, or the white, like all just fire. The white one reminded me of the Yankees, you know. What I mean, it was, it, it, which of course bothered me a little bit. Like, oh, it's only for the Yankees because I'm I'm a stupid Yankee fan. <laughs> um, but they were the those were sick, and I just love Skinny Shack, and I love Penny Hardaway. I think Penny Hardaway is like one of my one of my favorite players of all time. So, yeah, I, I you know I even got the pennies. That's why I went for ball, even though they're heavy as hell. <laughs> so like it's just you know that's definitely my number one pick. You wear penny hard. You wear pennies for when you play ball. Yeah, for indoor ball. Here, look. 
That is that's that's fantastic. I, I have to give you oh snap. That's that's legit. That's legit right there. I like it. You're like the uh, you're the old school guy that shows up on the court. There, people are like, "What is this guy?" Oh, right. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Come on. I, I like it. I like it. That's that's such a throwback. I like throwbacks. Did you ever have a pair of Starberries? Honestly. Oh man, you. I got to tell you about my brother. We we would go to Stephen Barry's and and um, Jersey Gardens and get all the starberries. My brother would have like the lifestyle starberry shoes like sitting in there too, like the you know the Air Force ones, like brown and white with the three on it instead of the Nike check. We had all this. We had all the starberries here. No shame in the game. That's crazy. I had the that I bought starberries just because they were so cheap, man, like fifteen bucks to go play. You can only play them <laughs> what felt like a week, and that was done. Exactly. Yeah, I know. They, they're they more to look at than they were to wear. But honestly, the lifestyle shoes, like, they lasted. Like, I remember my brother, like, wearing them, like, normal, like, with jeans, like, out. Like, you know, no one would know the difference. It was, like, when, like, um those, again, like, when, like, those diesel shoes. Remember those diesel shoes that everyone used to wear? Like, they look like that. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, like, a big deal. Yo, diesel shoes, that's just throwing me back to high school, bro. I can't, I, I could, all I think about is just dudes wearing too much cologne in high school with like gelled hair, like a unbuttoned pole, like two buttons down and like diesel shoes. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're not in a club right now. You're- Go to the club slash social studies. Exactly. You're just like, you're going to school. Why are you dressing like you're in a club right now? chill just 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 relax my guy relax you don't you don't need to be doing this you're doing too much uh but we're going off topic i'll I'll tell i'll I'll go with my second pick second pick yeah my second pick has to be oh man this one's tough so because i don't want you to take one of them that i do really like oh that's exactly why i want magic first (laughs) i think i'm gonna have to go all right, this is going to be my third, but I'm going to go second with this one. I'm going to take the Seattle Supersonics yellow. <laughs> oh, I had the Sonics on my list. That's fair. I, I got I got a Sean Kemp shirt, uh, one of the jerseys in my uh, my closet. Nice, nice. Yeah, I got to go with the yellow. Got to keep it funky. I like that bright yellow that they had. The green's cool, but the yellow the yellow unis are just they're just they're just fire, man. I got to go with them. And Sean Kemp. But I love the glove. Gary Payton. Gary Payton was was the guy. I just love the way he played defense. Man, he was so aggressive. Just I, I like the way. Was it? You talking? You talking the yellow Seattle with the with the white uh, banner that KD and Rashard Lewis played with? Yep. Talking about that one. Oh no. Okay. Okay. That's fine. You did take my pick. That's cool. We're, we're not on the same page. Yet. I'm. Hold it, on. The, the Seattle green one is my. That's my. That's my Seattle Supersonics type of jersey. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the those like last those last modern jerseys before they disbanded. Eh, they were okay. The one that uh, right, the one that yeah, the one with the the yellow. It's got the white across the chest, like Ray Allen was wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's not me. I like the old school, the green ones that Kemp and uh, Peyton were wearing before they even switched to the dark green. Like those, like that would be my Seattle pick if I, and then I would go dark green, and then my last pick would be yours. So we're 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 not on the same page on the Seattle jerseys. Okay, okay, I like keeping it funky. I like the I like the bright color. I like the bright color. All right. So then, what's your second? So what's your second pick then? My second pick when I was actually worried you were going to take this one, 
Oh, is the V, C, and T-Mac Raptors jerseys with the big Raptor on it. Like, those, like, the, first of all, they got the, they also got the pinstripes, right? But it's, like, more subtle. And one of those jerseys where you can't, they kind of look weird wearing outside. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even in the champion jersey, it's just, like, a big Raptor. Or it's purple. It's just, like, too much. You know what I mean? But they just look so good on the court. And they had, like, the, um... The dinosaur, uh, um, what was it called? Like the like the the back edges, uh, like on the hump on the, on the name tag in the back. Like it had like all like little. Oh yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Like yeah, it was like so it was like a real Raptor. It was cool. Like so, uh, definitely going Raptors jerseys. Okay, yeah, the Raptors jerseys was on my list. I do like the Raptors jersey, especially with the pinstripes too, the purple uh, with the Velociraptor out front. Yeah, no, that, that was legit because. When I think of those teams, I think about T Mac. I think about Vince Carter. That team was that team was balling, man. That team was good. I, it's sad that they couldn't like keep it long enough uh, to see what happened with them, man. That's that's really throwing it back. I just think all I think about is the Honeydew dunk and just that's oh man, that's a good one. I like that jersey. Um, man, that's a good one. Damn, you took that. I should that see that was the problem. I didn't know I didn't know if you liked the Sonics that much. That if we're gonna take them. Thanks. Yeah, I do like Sonic. But we had different Sonics jerseys, so. Okay. You was kind of, you had good logic, but. <sighs> okay, so I guess for my third pick. Final one. Final one. See, this is the tough one. This is the tough one right here because there's two jerseys that I really like. We'll get, we'll get one honorable mention. Okay, if we're gonna, like, I'll, I'll put the honorable mention, but. I think if I'm going to have to go with one, man, this is tough. This is really tough, man. I, damn. It's in the bar exam, Alex. Don't worry about it. I know. It feels like the freaking bar exam, in all honesty. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with the, uh, the Detroit Pistons one. Oh, let's go with the, um, or oh, the flaming horse. <laughs> the teal. Yeah, the teal with the horse. And the and the exhaust pipes coming out. Okay, yeah, those are fire. What 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 uh, player comes into your head uh, when you see that jersey? Grant Hill. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see Dumars and Hill. I had the. Um, I remember uh, as a kid having the uh, reversible white and teal Grant Hill one. It was like super teal though. <laughs> um, I just remember, I just specifically remember that thirty three. Uh, yeah, man, those are good times. Those are that was such a weird era, right? Because like it like they switched out of that real quick. It always reminded me of um, I know we kind of mentioned the last part, but it always reminded me of like the knight in like the chess, right? And I was like playing chess. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, <laughs> just I don't know. <laughs> I think the thing is too is that that era was like really cool for jerseys. Like they were just like the right like bagginess. Like they weren't so fitted. And like even the Nike jerseys now, like they look fake. Like honestly, like those those jerseys that the guys are wearing look so fake. I mean, how, we have to see LeBron James like rip a jersey, or like even Luca like rip his jersey. Like I don't think you could do that with the Reebok jerseys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even the Adidas jerseys, you couldn't just like rip it. These Nike jerseys seem so flimsy. I can't. I think super breathable, like a little George Costanza. Uh, you know, like implementation of material because like they wash it etc um 
just like high tech nonsense. <laughs> yeah, but for sure, all the jerseys that we're talking about now are the champion jerseys that you were supposed to buy as a kid from like Kmart <laughs> or like you know or like the mo- when Models was popping. Like that's a that's a forget Reebok, forget Nike, champion, champion only. That's a fact. But John, what is your third jersey? Third is close one for me as well. I'm going to go with the black or blue, but black Timberwolves jersey when it had the when it had like that funky writing that was like coming with the icicles. I just see Kevin Garnett 21. You know, I see like the the like the mountains on like the the sleeves like of Minnesota. Like those are really cool. And the only reason I didn't take the Hornets because, like, I love the Hornets and Zoe and LJ and Muggsy. The only reason they're my, my honorable mention is because they, they like, brought them back. Like, I feel like they're old already. Like, you know, like, the baby is in music videos with the jersey on. Like, they already brought it back. Like, I've seen Kemba in it too many times to, like, for it to be nostalgic at this point. So, <laughs> that's why I'm throwing them. But my double honorable mention, and I hope this isn't your guy, is the Houston Rockets. Like those, like pinstripe, more pinstripes. I guess I'm just a pinstripe guy, but <laughs> but the the Hakuna Lajuan, uh, dark blue, like um, weird pinstripe. It kind of looks like uh, like uh, asteroids. You know, like you're like shooting an asteroid. It's not like a perfect pinstripe. Uh, and you got you got that like rocket coming out of the ball. Those are cool. No, those are some fire jerseys that you mentioned, and I, I and I feel you with the Hornets. Like I feel like the Hornets was always the logo that i saw when i was a kid too like even growing up in new york it's like the knicks and then if someone had like an alternative hat it was like a hornet's hat right dude in australia when i started abroad in australia and we spent six months there everyone had if, if you had an, an obscure like nba uh memorabilia you had a hornet's hat or like a weird hornet's jacket and if in the market they always had like fake shack uh, magic jerseys like turquoise blue ones with like white stripes like this has never existed that's wild absolutely wild and i feel like the horners i don't know why like it's a team that's like doesn't even have that many i feel i feel that they don't have that many fans to begin with but yet their logo is like we're, we're known for like colors dude it's the colors everyone loves teal i, I guess it is i guess everyone loves teal but for my honorable mentions, uh, since you took two, these are my two. One, the Phoenix Suns black jerseys with the basketball sun. That one, fire. Absolutely. Yeah. Fire. Did you ruin that for you? Be honest. Who? Do you ever see that Jonah Hill picture? No, I haven't. Oh, Jonah Hill has a picture of him wearing the Phoenix Suns black jersey with no number on it. Like, sort of like a generic one you would buy off like the rack. Um, and he had it like tucked into his jeans and he was just like walking and I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Uh, okay. I, I, mean, I, love jo- I love Jonah Hill and I love that jersey, but like that just didn't work for me. <laughs> the, the combination together just killed it. Yeah, I was like, nah, I can't. All right. So the last one I'll choose for my honorable mention is the Denver Nuggets with that, with the Rocky Mountain skyline with the rainbow behind it. That's oh, yeah. Who's- on that team when you think of that one because that's an old school 
I don't really, I don't know. I don't really have a player that I think of. I just remember the jersey because when I played uh, NBA Live 99, you could choose that jersey from like the retro. So I always chose when I played this in Nuggets. So I always, I, that's that just like is ingrained in my brain. Nice. If for, yeah, I, I like those. So English is the one that comes up for me uh, in my brain. I think of those old school Denver jerseys. But then like as soon as I think Denver Nuggets, I think of like those brown jerseys with Matumbo. It's just Matumbo, Jalen Rose, like Denver. And I hated those jerseys and I hated that team. Such a gritty team, such gritty jerseys. Like it was so perfect, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I could agree with you on that. But those are, that's, I think that's a solid list that we got. So just as a recap, mine are the, um, I got the Grizzlies, the Teal Grizzlies. I got the Yellow Supersonics. And I also got the, uh, Flaming Horse Detroit Pistons. Your picks are? I had the Pinstripe Magic, the Raptor, Toronto Raptors, and then I had the simple KG, black or blue, with the, with the icicle writing and the mountains on the, on the, what do we even call that? The seam, the collar, the collar and all over. Yeah, for the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, a little obscure thing, and uh, we love the we love the New Jersey Nets court, and honestly, the 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 Portland Trailblazers court was also leaked, and they're coming out with their old school uh, five on five blazer symbol, which I missed. I almost like when I saw the court, I didn't realize that they weren't doing it anymore. I was like, what? So then I went and saw like their like court now, and I was like, whoa! Like, how could you guys be rolling out with that? But if the Hornets bring out their honeycomb court, man, if they bring out the honeycomb court with those jerseys, like I might have to, I might have to push them up to number one from not even being drafted at all. Oh my god, that's wild! Yeah, I mean the honeycomb, the honeycomb court is pretty cool. I have to give them that. That's nice. When I see that, when I see the like that court, I just think Glenn Rice popping threes. That that that's really throwing it back. That's really throwing it back. But yeah, I think that wraps it up. <laughs> that obscure Nick Jersey I've ever seen. The Glen <laughs> and Rice. <laughs> Rice, Jesus. Oh man, well that ends it for the etcetera portion of this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in for another Baby, no one else is talking about Glenn Rice on your Nick's podcast. Let's go. Oh, God. All right. Once again, thank you all for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Please make sure to tell your family and your friends about this podcast. Also, please make sure to like all of our social media platforms for this podcast. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, thank you again for tuning in, and we'll be back later this week with a Jets episode of this podcast after we watch tomorrow's game. Have a good one, everyone. Peace. Let's go Knicks.